A bus accident on the road to Big White and more snow for the mountain passes. Angry demands for a landlord to fix an elevator broken for nearly 200 days. We'll happily give Vancouver a carbon-free Vancouver by 2020. The man who could be Alberta's next premier takes a run at Vancouver's mayor. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. We begin with a frightening ordeal for those on board a bus in the Okanagan this morning when it suddenly rolled over. As you can see, that bus ended up on its side on Big White Road, east of Kelowna. There were 22 people on board at the time, including the driver. Six were taken to hospital with minor injuries. No word on the cause of the crash, but snow was falling. The route was closed to traffic for a short time. Many of the mountain passes receiving a large dump of snow today, and there could be more on the way. Let's get the details now from Yvonne. Thank you, Jordan. Good evening, everyone. Here's a quick glance at our current uh, shot of the Kootenay Pass from Drive, B.C. We've had snowfall and the snow level are rising for the afternoon, ranging between 1,200 and 1,400 metres. But it is going to drop off once again this evening and overnight and the potential to see some convective flurries as it starts to bump up through the day tomorrow. But this evening and through the morning hours, the Kootenay Pass, as well as the Coquihalla from Hope to Merritt, could still see an additional 5 and up to 10 centimetres. So the concern will be for those mountain passes and a few other spots still tracking some flurries along the Allison Pass. Merritt to Kamloops along the Coke could still see flurries, the connector two and up to four. Once again, the Coquihalla, Hope to Merritt and the Kootenay Pass late this evening and overnight an additional five and up to 10 centimeters. Jordan? All right, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thanks, Yvonne. Frustrated tenants of a nine-story building in Vancouver's Chinatown are speaking out tonight. Many say they've been trapped in their homes because the elevator has been out of service since the fall. And there appears to be no quick fix. As Julia Foy reports, the building is owned by a group known for helping new immigrants adapt to life in Canada. Residents of Solheim Place, a social housing complex in Vancouver's Chinatown, are angry with the up and down battle over an elevator. They say it's a matter of life and death. We are here today because 200 days of an elevator breakdown is too long. Two individuals have passed away already during the elevator break, uh, shutdown. Oh, that's the broken one. That's Here's the, the good one. one. Okay. This is the one that's on its last leg. Here's the problem. Since September 28, the main elevator that goes to the top of the nine-story building has been broken. The second elevator that we rode only goes to the fifth floor. So dozens of renters, some seniors, some with disabilities, have had to hike up and down one two or three flights of stairs. Part of her knees is getting a lot of pain, so we have to figure out a new way to walk to avoid the pain. First they think it's okay, we can make it. There is a woman going down, down, down. It's affecting her spine, and now she's walking head like that. After seven months of waiting, Solheim residents were told this week it could take another 11 months to repair or replace the broken elevator. We need this elevator replaced and working now, not in a year. We want respect from success. 
building is run by Success, an organization that helps new immigrants find housing. Certainly we'll do our uh, uh, the best to uh, get it uh, uh, fixed as soon as possible. Chu says BC Housing has promised to pay for a new elevator, but there's no quick fix in sight. Instead, residents are being offered some money back on the rent, and an office worker is on call to help people climb the stairs. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, we are as anxious and as uh, upset with uh, the whole situation as well. For now, residents on floor six to nine may be stranded in their room with a view. Julia Foy, Global News. A memorial will be held tomorrow for three family members found dead after a car crash in Surrey last month. 25-year-old Mike Howe, his brother, 22-year-old Davy Osmond Howe, and their mother Anna Chow were found dead inside a vehicle that crashed under the Highway 99 overpass in Surrey on March 26th. Homicide investigators were called in once the deaths were deemed suspicious. Forensic teams also collected evidence at a nearby home on 35th Avenue. Neighbors told Global News police had been to the home in the week before the crash, once with a nurse. The brothers and their mother will be remembered at a service in Surrey Sunday. The campaigning prime minister landing in Vancouver today, joining tens of thousands at the city's annual Vasaki parade. But Justin Trudeau's praise of the Sikh faith during one of its holiest days comes after the federal government agreed to remove a reference to Sikh extremism from a report on terrorism. Nadia Stewart has more. It was hard to miss all the politicians on hand for Visaki celebrations in Vancouver. Both local familiar faces and federal politicians looking to return to Ottawa. The Sikh community is a part of Canada's history. That includes Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who walked in the annual parade less than 24 hours after his government removed a controversial reference to Sikh extremism in a December 2018 report on terrorism, saying they wanted to move away from, quote, terminology that unintentionally impugns an entire religion, though references to Shia and Sunni Islamist extremism are not being removed. When the report was first published, it drew the ire of the Sikh community across the country. Sikh organizations pointed to Trudeau's lackluster trip to India last February, saying they believed the reference to extremism was made to appease the Indian government. For the most part, those we spoke with here in Vancouver say they appreciate the rewording. Good, because every Sikh is not extremist. If there is some issue, they should find out and bring them to justice. I'm not sure if the reference of keeping those words in the text were actually meant to be necessarily um, infuriating, etc., or were they taken in those terms just for political reasons, right? We are not terrorists. You know how long we live here. We never do anything bad, right? So it's really hurt me when we heard of that. The World Sikh Organization also welcomes the move, though they still question why the reference was there in the first place. They say Sikhs need a seat at the National Cross-Cultural Roundtable on Security. At Historical News. With only three days left until Albertans go to the polls, B.C. is once again getting caught in the crossfire of Alberta's heated provincial election campaign. Last night, United Conservative Party leader Jason Kenney added to the rhetoric over B.C.'s opposition to the Kinder Morgan pipeline by directly targeting the mayor of Vancouver. Jill Bennett has more.
A Friday night rally and United Conservative leader Jason Kenney took direct aim at BC, even singling out Vancouver's mayor. The NDP mayor of Vancouver said that he wants a carbon-free Vancouver by 2040. Well, if the BC New Democrats block our energy, we'll happily give Vancouver a carbon-free Vancouver by 2020. It's not the first time relations between Alberta and B.C. have been described as frosty. But with Kenny leading in the polls ahead of Tuesday's provincial election, there are more concerns about just how cold things could get. If they continue to obstruct our energy and violate the economic union of the Constitution in doing so, that we will be prepared to use the turn off the taps legislation. The B.C. government says it would immediately fight that in court. But if the taps were turned off, it would inevitably lead to even higher gas prices here. What do you do? I mean, pay? Well, it's already pretty rubbish now, isn't it? So I don't know. Um, that wouldn't be a good thing. A Vancouver City Councillor out enjoying Vaisakhi celebration says Kenny's comments seem careless. It does sound like pretty reckless rhetoric, uh, turning off the taps to BC. I mean, we have the, the largest port in all of Canada. We are the Pacific Gateway. Uh, we're not about to play tit for tat with that. No matter who wins the Alberta election on Tuesday, the battle with BC over the Trans Mountain Pipeline will continue. But it's expected to get a lot more cutthroat if Jason Kenney takes the reins. Jill Bennett, Global News. The investigation surrounding Surrey's civic election is now complete. It comes after claims of voter fraud surfaced ahead of the October election. 67 applications were determined to be fraudulent, meaning they were not completed or signed by the voter listed on the application. There were also claims that someone was pressured at a polling station by an elections employee. That person was removed from their position. Surrey RCMP have forwarded their report to Crown Council for charge assessment. A Lake Country man recently caught someone trying to steal from his vehicle. He managed to tackle the suspect and hold him until police arrived. And as Kelly Hayes reports, he captured the moment on camera. This is kind of where we had a little tussle and I managed to get on top of him. And Connor McMahon remembers the incident as if it was really? yesterday, but it actually happened late last month. You were caught breaking into my vehicle? McGraw videotaped this incident on March 27th when he caught a man breaking into his vehicle parked in front of his Lake Country home. McGraw says he was in his garage when he heard footsteps and when he came around the corner he saw a man crouching in front of a car after being spooked by a neighbor. Just right here trying to block out the neighbor. The suspect took off but McGraw managed to tackle him and pin him to the ground. Started off with him uh, initially trying to tell me it was his aunt's purse. Claiming that that vehicle that you're breaking into is your aunt's, so you're coming in there to pick up a, what was it, a purse you were trying to pick up? What's your name? ID. Lucas? Well, why don't you want to be on camera, man? McGron says the suspect offered him his watch if he let him go. McGron would have none of it. Dude, this is not going to go well for you if you keep on trying to get away from here. I already said you're under a citizen's arrest. That's it. Cops are called. Deal with it. I know that they're called. So then quit trying to get out of here. McGron says the suspect had an accomplice waiting in a vehicle nearby. She was yelling at the guy on the ground here um, saying, what do I do? Uh, what should I be doing? That's when I, I yelled back at her, like, come out here and get on the ground. The police will be here shortly. The police showed up and the suspect was taken away. McGron soon learned that the suspect is 18-year-old Oren Lucas, who is no stranger to the police. 
Lucas was allegedly involved in a serious crash in Kelowna in January when a stolen pickup truck smashed into this red Mitsubishi, seriously injuring the driver. Lucas was released on bail two months after the incident. McGrath says it's obvious the judicial system is not working. And people have been reaching out to me saying, like, awesome job, like, it's nice to see vigilanteism, and we shouldn't have to have that. So what's your name again? What's your name? <sighs> Lucas. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Lake Country. 1,000 people turned out for the first ever Sarah Beckett Memorial Run on Vancouver Island this morning. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> the RCMP constable's widow, Brad Ashenbrunner, helping kick off the five-kilometer run in Langford. Beckett was killed in the line of duty in April 2016 when a drunk driver slammed into her cruiser. Kenneth Fenton was sentenced to four years in prison after pleading guilty to impaired and dangerous driving causing death. The money raised from the annual run will be donated to the Constable Sarah Beckett Memorial Scholarship, which is awarded to a post-secondary student interested in a career in law enforcement. We really want to celebrate her life. Um, the last few years have been quite hard for the community, especially for her family and her friends. And we want to see this shift into something positive. We're also working with the uh, Rotary to build a uh, memorial park here. And, you know, for the family and for just making sure that, you know, we keep it, you know, the support there. You know, first responders, the police, they do a lot for our community. The city of Kelowna is trying to catch up with other B.C. communities and regulate short-term rentals like Airbnb. Council is hoping to have the rules, including licenses and fees, in place by the summer. But as Jules Knox reports, not everyone is happy with what's been decided. The fines are out and they're hefty. Up to $500 a day for homeowners operating a short-term rental in Kelowna without a business license. I think that's a little extreme. Um, I think that everybody has a right to strive and uh, to impose a fee like that is ridiculous. That's okay. fair. Yeah. <laughs> I That's mean, fair, yeah. come on, people have rules in place and things to keep everybody safe and happy. So if you don't follow the rules, you got to pay. For those renting out their main home, the fee for a business license will be $345 a year, nearly seven times that of Vancouver. Wow. That's a lot. That seems like a lot, but... For a smaller city, but I mean, I Kelowna is such a tourist on. place. Yeah. The main sticking point for many residents is that short-term rentals won't be allowed in secondary suites or carriage houses. I am furious. And even though residents opposed to the proposed regulations packed city chambers for a public hearing last month, council is standing its ground. Where does the city get the right to tell taxpayers what to do with their own private properties? Operating a short-term rental will also come with a pile of paperwork. Just some of the forms include a fire evacuation plan, the good neighbor agreement, and a parking plan, with at least one designated parking space for temporary tenants. Short-term rental operators can apply for a business license starting April 23rd, and those who don't could face fines after July 1st. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A Langley High School marked a milestone today with the unveiling of a time capsule. Uh, PE department. I don't know where these came from, but they're awesome. Jim Shorts, just one of the relics pulled out of a time capsule that R.E. Mountain Secondary put together 42 years ago. 
The school, which has been on the same site on 202 A Street since 1977, will be moving next door in September. The new space will be able to accommodate all 1,300 students, some of whom are currently in portables. The old school will be converted to a middle school. Past and present staff reuniting this weekend to celebrate the move and fill another time capsule to be opened in 20 to 30 years from now. We are fortunate we don't have to use hard drives like this anymore, so the uh, computer department has donated that just as a little memory gift. Um, I'm not going to go through the rest. There is digital files of everything. We've made digital copies of all of our composites. That's in here. Uh, as well as anything that you see here today, the videos, uh, the pictures, you name it. Uh, we're taking it with us. Hopefully they have technology to be able to read it in 20 years. Scared to ask how those gym shorts smelled for 42 years. <laughs> they could stand up on their own. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm exactly. <laughs> Von and Barry join us now, and we had a lot of rain today for the Lower Mainland, but I did see the sun in the last hour here. Yes, in Yes, so a nice break. It yeah. was very definitely very wet and windy, depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver areas near the water today, and even though the airport saw the winds get up to 40 kilometers per hour. A glance right now at our current tower cam, so we're starting to see those breaks, our peaks in the sunshine, and this is great news for anybody who's participating in the sun run, especially for the early morning hours tomorrow. I'll have your morning forecast and we'll anticipate a change. We'll talk a little bit more about the snow if you're traveling along mountain passes. It'll be a much calmer day if you are commuting, so I'll have that coming up too. Calm is good. All right. Tiger, doing well at the Masters. Yeah, I was speaking, it was blustery out here today <laughs> and they're expecting some weather tomorrow at Augusta, so they're actually going to play in threes. Usually they play in uh, just pairings on the final day, but Tiger's right in there. He's going to be in the final grouping. Had a good day. Uh, a lot of great scores today Augustine some great shots we'll show you all that and a uh, huge upset uh, not the good kind if you're a Canadian women's mm. hockey fan uh, kind of an historic loss unfortunately for Canada the world's we'll show you that and of course Stanley Cup playoffs a lot of overtimes today we're starting to see that now. Yeah. yeah all right we'll see you guys in a few minutes thanks one man is under arrest in Edmonton after more than a dozen vehicles were lit on fire in front of witnesses at packed bars in the city's nightlife district. The torching suspect was tackled by bystanders until police arrived. A normal Friday night takes a fiery turn when a man begins pouring fuel from a gas can, lighting vehicles on fire as he walks down 104th Street at White Avenue. I stuck my head out the door or through the window to see what was happening and then I saw a guy uh, sort of sprinkling gasoline on cars and lighting their tires on fire. CJ Rovine manages the next act pub. He acted fast when he saw the flames just after 8.30. Just ran inside really quickly, grabbed a fire extinguisher and started putting tires out. Jeff Hallaby took action too, chasing the suspect with a piece of baseboard from a soon to open bar. When I saw him and I looked at his face, his eyes were like, it just, he didn't, he looked like, okay, this guy, they, like, I, my anger dissipated once I realized that he maybe have been, you know, not, not in his right mind. You almost wouldn't know anything happened here walking down 104th Street now. This is one of the spots where a vehicle caught fire. The sidewalk still charred. After lighting up what police describe as 13 vehicles, witnesses say the man crosses the street, dropping a gas can and backpack. He enters Starbucks, pursued by bystanders who perform a citizen's arrest while they wait for police. I think it was an incredible response that the community gave. Uh, everybody stayed calm, everybody took action, everybody played a different role. I take away that there's way more good people than there is bad people. There's a lot of people that stepped up to try and stop that guy from causing any more havoc than he, than, than he could have. 
Police say no one was injured in the incident. They say charges are pending as they continue to investigate. Albert Delatala, Global News. Back to the Alberta provincial vote, and today was the last day of advanced polls, and it's already been a record turnout. Perhaps a polling station in an IKEA is helping with that turnout. Elections Alberta set up the poll inside an Edmonton store. It's just one of many new locations they're testing out. About 545,000 Albertans cast their ballots as of Friday night, a huge jump from the 235,000 that did so early in 2015. I think it, the, the novelty factor, for one thing, they're getting, their, they're getting their grocery shopping or they're at the mall or wherever they are, and see there's a poll there to say, well, oh, it's voting. I, I can pop in, I can get it done quickly while I'm here. I don't have to make a special time or a special effort on Election Day. I came to Ikea to look for a couch, but I also was going to go vote after. So then we saw that there was a polling station here, and I was like, wow, that's really smart. I think that a lot of people who are going about their daily business, who do see an advanced polling station, look upon that as an opportunity to vote, who might not actually vote uh, necessarily on the day of voting. It is hoped the high turnout during the advanced polls will also translate into increased turnout on Election Day. Mazda is recalling more than 200,000 of its cars in Canada and the U.S. because of failing wipers. The recall covers the Mazda 3 compact cars from 2016 through 2018 model years. The Japanese automaker traced the windshield wipers problem to metal deposits that can cause a wiper relay to stick, knocking out the wipers and limiting driver visibility. There have been no reports of crashes or injuries due to that failure. Transport Canada says the recall affects more than 51,000 vehicles in Canada. Owners can take their vehicle to a dealer for a fix. A Quebec woman who disappeared in West Africa is alive, according to a government official in Burkina Faso. Edith Blay and her Italian travel partner went missing in West Africa last December. The pair vanished while traveling by car through Burkina Faso, en route to Togo for a humanitarian project. A Burkina Faso official says the pair is alive and no longer in the country. Last month, Human Rights Watch said the two had been abducted and taken to Mali. Hundreds of migrants are again crossing Mexico's southern border. They are seeking a visa to assist them on their path towards the U.S. border. Families with young children are registering themselves with immigration officials in the country. President Donald Trump has threatened to close down the U.S.-Mexico border if Mexican officials do not take action to curb the flow of migrants. The Coachella Music Festival got off to a fiery start. Footage shows flames burning through the mobile shower unit at one of the campgrounds in the California desert. The fire is believed to have started at around 2 this morning. And witnesses say they heard an explosion. One of two trailers involved was destroyed. It took crews more than three hours to contain the fire. No one was hurt. It's not clear what sparked that blaze. Rescuers in Rio de Janeiro are still hoping to find survivors in the rubble of a double building collapse. At least seven people are dead and 17 missing after the two condemned four-story buildings came down Friday in a militia-controlled area. It's unclear why they, they toppled, but the hillside neighborhood was hit hard by recent heavy rains and flash floods. 
More than 18 million people across much of the southern U.S. are on alert for tornadoes, heavy rain, flash flooding and strong winds. As a dangerous storm sweeps across the region, at least one tornado touched down in Texas and more are expected in surrounding states. That is insane. Holy crap. Deafening wind tore through Franklin, Texas today in the moments before a tornado hit the small town in the eastern part of the state. Tornado on the ground headed towards Franklin. Houses flattened, residents shaken, rescuers responding. We've had significant damage downtown Franklin. We've got multiple trees, power lines down. At least a dozen people were injured, too seriously, according to law enforcement. A strip of homes on the other side of town over here completely gone, just gone. Everything's gone. It was terrifying. I mean, Franklin resident Gage Smith couldn't believe how loud it was. We could hear wind whistling and cars were, sirens were everywhere. The rest of the state got hit hard too. Baseball-sized hailstorms pummeled central Texas. And Louisiana wasn't spared either. In Shreveport, lightning lit up the sky while pounding rain throughout the state made driving dangerous. The bad weather across the southern U.S. also wreaking havoc on flights nationwide, causing over 600 delays and 300 cancellations. Even our flight took a detour. As these storms are now headed north and east. Tense moments at a metro station in Maryland after a man fell onto the tracks. Surveillance video shows the man, who's visually impaired, walking onto the platform before stumbling onto the tracks. Fortunately, three commuters came to his aid, rushing to save him from an oncoming train. The victim was taken to hospital but escaped with only minor injuries. Water fights are breaking out on the streets of Bangkok as a yearly festival gets underway in Thailand. Locals and tourists armed with water guns can delight in dousing anyone in sight. The infamous event marks the start of the Buddhist New Year, a three-day holiday where thousands of people take to the streets. In Health Matters tonight, Nova Scotia's government has passed legislation that presumes consent for organ donation. Under the Human Organ and Tissue Donation Act, all adults in the province would be considered potential organ donors unless they opt out. It's expected to be proclaimed into law in 12 to 18 months. The head of the province's transplant program believes the province will see a 30% increase in organ donations within five years of the act's implementation. A new study suggests couples who smoke together should try quitting together. British researchers followed more than 200 smokers and their partners for 16 weeks. Nearly half of their significant others were also smokers. The couples who both lit up had a higher success rate of quitting at the end of the study, compared to those who tried to butt out on their own. Experts believe when both partners are trying to quit, they're able to distract the other from the cravings. Children at a Vancouver elementary school will soon be able to enjoy a brand new playground. Off-duty firefighters from Vancouver Firefighter Charities helped volunteers with Habitat for Humanity to build the playground. It's been 12 years since the elementary school has had a playground. And the principal says they're overwhelmed by how the local community has rallied together to fund the project, raising more than $140,000. What people don't always think about about school playgrounds is that they're not really just for the school, they're for the community as well. Uh, They're there in the summer, they're there after school, and this is a community 
that doesn't really have access to a playground anywhere close by. We're in more of a commercial area, so the playground going in uh, today is going to really just bring back to the community, which is amazing. Dedicated volunteers out in the rain this morning, Yvonne, and now we're seeing a glimpse of the sun. Yes, the sun is making a return for the latter half of the weekend. That's great news. It was very wet and windy, especially for the start of our weekend and for our Saturday morning. A beautiful shot of the tower cam. This is overlooking English Bay. We're sitting at 11 degrees out of the airport. The winds are starting to ease off. It's southwesterly right now at 24 kilometers per hour high today. So 10 or 11 for most areas and still below the average for this time of the year. That sits at 14 degrees. A snapshot of some of the peak wind gusts that we did see today this afternoon at the airport closer to 60 kilometers per hour. Abbotsford at 56. Victoria at 44 in areas near Powell River up to 61 kilometers and those are peak wind gusts. We do still have a bit of instability for the southern sections of the island. A chance of showers this evening but a look ahead and zooming on out. This is the break that we're anticipating for our Sunday which is great news especially for the early morning hours. So putting the future cast into play this evening the instability with some convective flurries will be for the mountain passes higher elevations. The snow level is going to drop back down to 800 meters and by tomorrow morning across the south coast we'll see some sunshine a mix of sun and cloud and then an increase in cloud cover is going to pick up for the afternoon with the chance of showers but this is great news uh, your 24-hour forecast or as we take a look if you're heading out to the sun run for tomorrow it'll be dry for the morning hours and most of that cloud cover is going to start to peak in by the afternoon three-day forecast as we take a look in the piece or sorry real quick once again if you're heading along the mountain passes the concern will be the Coquihalla from Hope to Merritt as well as the Kootenai Pass with the convective flurries overnight and for the morning hours five and potentially up to 10 cents centimeters. It'll ease off if you're heading along the mountain passes and that'll be late morning and into the afternoon. The piece tomorrow up to nine degrees and then sunshine for your Monday, Tuesday. White horse tomorrow up to nine above your average that sits at seven. The north coast, it'll still be unsettled over the next couple of days. It's lighter precipitation Sunday, Monday, and then it picks up once again and heavy at times for Tuesday. Caribou and central interior, higher elevations for tomorrow morning. Wet flurries changing over to showers. Columbia and Kootenai region, the snow level is going to rise to 1400 meters by the afternoon. Thompson Okanagan at 11 degrees tomorrow with some sunshine especially for the morning hours or into the afternoon. Whistler will climb up to 7 degrees mainly cloudy for tomorrow and then back to a partly cloudy sky with some sunny breaks on Monday and areas along the island we are will see the sunshine for the morning hours an increase in cloud cover and we are seeing the potential across Metro Vancouver with more cloud cover for the afternoon. Monday cloud Cloud cover unsettled Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on and off rainfall, but a nice dry and sunny start for Sunday morning. Oh, and quickly, our weather window this evening. This was shot in from our very own Chris Galis. His ah. mom, Andrea, sent us a shot of the rainbow in Squamish. Jordan? wonder if she's off to find the pot of gold. All right, <laughs> thanks, Yvonne. Some talented Edmonton music students are hitting the right note on YouTube, thanks to an extremely popular HBO show. Twenty guitar students from a local high school were filmed by their teacher performing the opening theme to Game of Thrones. It is a 21st century take on the performance and perfect timing with the show's final season starting tomorrow. The music is fantastic. It's got the nice medieval themes. And I've heard some people play it on guitar before. It actually lends itself really nicely to guitar. It's also not too long, so it's the perfect thing to send out and share. 
And their music video is getting a lot of attention online with more than 600 views in the first 24 hours alone. Just like old times for Tiger at the Masters. Mm -hmm. Well, Tiger's always good TV. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, had a lot of great drama and uh, great shots today, so we'll see how it all pans out. He's been in the hunt a couple of times during his comeback. Hasn't uh, panned out for him yet. Thanks, Jordan. Well, there is a storm coming to Augusta National tomorrow, so tee times for the final round have been moved up to the early morning in order to avoid the bad weather. Tiger Woods is hoping uh, lightning strikes for him for a fifth time at Augusta. He's won four green jackets, but none since 2005. But 43-year-old Tiger is right in the mix after moving up on moving day. Absolutely perfect conditions, including softer than normal greens, which let the players attack the pins. Webb Simpson trying to got things going. One under when the day began. Eight under 64, he actually took the lead while many of the leaders were just starting their round. So Simpson tied fifth. Tony Finau, also a fantastic round, nearly holds the second shot on the par five eighth. Gets it all the way to the back pin location, nearly a two. It's a tap-in eagle for Finau, who climbed to the top of the leaderboard. 13th hole now, Finau with a delicate downhiller for birdie, goes down. He too shot eight under 64, one off the course record. Finau had the lead at minus 11. He played with Canadian Corey Connors, who shot a 71 in his tied 25th at minus four. There's Tiger Woods, began the day a shot off the lead. Beautiful putt here on the sixth for birdie. And then at the seventh, short iron into the green. And this is not like Augusta, where you can really go at the pins, because if you're on the wrong side of the hole, you have tough putts, but the green's slowed by all the wet weather. Tiger kick in birdie there. Then on 16, on the par three, you see everyone interested to see where that lands. And well, just look near the hole, because it was close. Five feet for birdie again. Tiger hitting some crisp irons today and then finishes the job at 16. Putted much better today from short range. Five under 67. A lot of Tiger roars out there. He's tied for the lead with Finau at 11 under. But the 2018 Open champion, Mar Francesco Molinari, also had it going. Tee shot on the... Or actually, let's just uh, see Brooks Kepka first. He's also in the hunt, but he is one behind Tiger. Now we'll go to the open champ. Francesco Molinari also had it going today. Tee shot on the par 3 12th. And how many near hole outs did we have? That was almost an ace. Tap in birdie from Molinari and then to the 14th. Another tough hole, but Molinari with the birdie had four straight birdies from 12 through 15 to take the outright lead. And then on 18, in some trouble on the tough finishing hole. What a splendid long bunker shot to help save his par. Six under 66. He's at 13 under. He's got a two-shot lead heading to Sunday where they'll play in threesomes because of the incoming weather. That means Tiger will play in the final group with Molinari and Tony Finau. Looking forward to going out there tomorrow and competing. I'm able to compete at a high level again um, after being out for a few years. And, um, you know, the experience of the last two major championships when I had a chance to win uh, certainly helps and so I've been in this position I've been in this mix before in the last two majors and I'm looking forward to getting back out there again tomorrow well, we certainly do. all right Canada Finland semifinals women's world hockey championships from Finland pick it up tied 1-1 Finns on the power play and it's Jenny Hirokoski with the big blast from the point 2-1 Finland but Canada ties it up some nice touch here by Lauren Gable who has to put that one between the skates and in. What a play. 2-2 hockey game at that point. But the Finns respond. Canada 
can't clear the zone, picked off by the Finns, and eventually Susanna Tapani will tip in the shot from the point. 3-2 Finns after two. Now Canada pressed hard for the tying goal. They thought they had one. It got called back after video review. Then in the final seconds, still can't finish, and the Finns ice it with an empty netter. So a huge upset. First time ever in 19 World Championships that Canada is not going to play in the gold medal game. It'll be Finland, USA for gold. Canada and Russia play for bronze. NHL playoffs, Hurricanes and Capitals. Game two, Washington won the opener. First period, all caps, already one nothing. TJ Oshie driving the net. Great move there to make it 2 nothing for Washington. But Carolina... Battle back. They tied it by the third period 2-2 until Alex Ovechkin finds the late man, Tom Wilson, who fires it past Peter Mrazek. 3-2 caps. Five minutes to go. Kane's on the power play. Dougie Hamilton's point shot deflected in front by Jordan Stahl. And that sends this game to overtime. Tied 3-3. And in OT, Evgeny Kuznetsov behind the net patiently finds Brooks Orpik. Looking like Ovechkin on that play, rips home the one-timer. Caps take it 4-3, lead the series 2-0. Game two stars and Predators. Dallas took the opener on the road. Second period, Tyler Sagan will pick off the pass in the setup. Jamie Benn, who picked it out of midair. What a great play on the super slow-mo. Look at that play by Benn under the roof of the net. 1-0 for Dallas, but two minutes later, Austin Watson with some hard work sets up Rocco Grimaldi to tie it up. 1-1. It's the Grinders who got to score in the playoffs a lot of times. And in overtime, it's Craig Smith who gets the loose puck and slaps it in. And Nashville heading home happy in uh, Music City today. 2-1 the final. Series tied 1-1. And we've got Leafs-Bruins game two. Toronto won the opener 4-1. Bruins, though, as you might expect, coming out with a lot of fire. And they get to the first goal. Charlie Coyle past Freddie Anderson. Made it 1-0 Boston. This game also had some uh, nasty business going. Jake DeBrusque with the big elbow there to the nose of Travis Dermott. Ouch, no penalty. Hey, it's playoffs. You got to play through the blood. Bruins obviously charged up. Brad Marchand then with a great move to beat Anderson on the uh, forehand deep. 2-0 at that point. Danton Heinen has added one more. Boston up 3-0 in the second. Welcome back. The Raptors made that blockbuster trade with San Antonio last summer with a championship run in mind. Kawhi Leonard has won an NBA title in his career. He's a former MVP and has the history of being a big game player. The kind of guy that could get the Raptors into the NBA Finals for the first time, especially with no LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. Raptors hosting Orlando in Game 1 of the playoffs this afternoon. Raptors 58 wins during the season, second most in the NBA, but Orlando... Very good team. They had to dash to get in the playoffs. They've been one of the NBA's best the past six weeks. Kawhi, great start. 11 first quarter points, including that dunk. 30-25 Toronto after one. But then the Magic went on a 15-0 run in the second. Nikola Vucevic with the finish. Orlando with a 57-49 lead at the half. Third quarter, Pascal Siakam, one of the most improved players in the league. Throwing it down there after the steal. 76-75 after three. Fourth quarter. Still tight, Fred Van Vliet with the uh, position there, and he will get the layup, 86-84. Then more from Siakam, first shot no good. Taps in his own rebound, 96-94. Orlando did take the lead, but Kawhi coming up clutch with the three-pointer. That ties it, and then 
in Toronto's next possession, Leonard, tough shot here, baseline. That's why they got him, 101-99 Raptors. But Orlando always had an answer. DJ Augustine with the three-pointer with just three seconds to go in Orlando. Takes game one, 104-101. Six weeks into the MLS season, and the Whitecaps are still winless. They came very close last night to getting a huge road win in Chicago, but the soccer gods don't quite seem ready to give the Caps a break anytime soon. Former Whitecap keeper David Usted now in Chicago, 53rd minute, cross into the Chicago box. Usted can't catch up to it and spills it here. Jordy Reyna right there will knock it in. Huge error by Osted. Caps will take it. First goal in their last three matches. They're up 1-0. But with 10 minutes to go, right there, Daniel Henry called for a handball in the box. What could he do about that? Another debatable penalty against Vancouver. Nemanja Nikolic scores on the penalty kick. It ends in a one-all draw. Caps host LAFC Wednesday. Still looking for that first win. MLS today from Seattle. Great crowd as the... Sounders and TFC met. They've met in the MLS Cup Final two of the last three years, each winning once. Josie Altador giving Toronto the early lead with the header in the 11th minute. But Seattle tied it and then went ahead. Will Bruin scored both goals. That made it 2-1 Seattle. And then two minutes later, Christian Roldan somehow finds some space and fires in the winner. 3-2 the final. Seattle handing TFC its first loss of the season. Sounders off to a great start. Five wins and a draw in their first six. Manchester United and West Ham. English Premiership action. United maybe hitting a bit of a wall since their resurgence after the coaching change. But they were spot on today. Paul Pogba from the spot in the 19th. And then from the spot again in the 80th. Two on the final. United creep past Arsenal into fifth. But the Gunners do have a game in hand. Tottenham trying to stay on course for a top four finish. No Harry Kane out with that ankle injury suffered Tuesday. But Lucas Mora more than made up for it. Right footer finds the back of the net against last place Huddersfield. It's 2-0. Then Mora settles it in the box beautifully here, showing his quality and then thumps it home for a 3-0 lead. And then in stoppage time, it's the hat trick goal. And another fine finish for Mora as Spurs beat up Huddersfield 4-0. Tottenham third place, a point up on fourth place Chelsea. Music lovers are celebrating record store day today. It is the annual celebration of independent music retailers like Neptune Records in Vancouver. The day features live music along with special limited releases and concert tickets. The day puts the spotlight back on vinyl culture when digital rules everything these days. I think records are really making a comeback because you know the the art of physical media has kind of vanished over the last many years you know with uh with uh downloads and streaming you, you kind of get further and further away from ownership of music that and they just sound better it's true in the states last year sales were up 15 yeah, percent it's nice to kind of have you know you're it's flipping cool. through the yeah. records as opposed to scrolling with your yeah. absolutely finger. That's going to do it for the Saturday edition of the News Hour. We're back at 11. Hope to see you then. Good night. Good night. Good night. You sound like an old guy, hey?